Yes, it's the place to be for all things franchising. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Today's topic is a fascinating one. Shopping centres, the inconvenient truth, and we're really going to get it fully exposed today. So something to look forward to. We're a bit excited about it because there's breaking news, really. It's become very, very topical, as indeed it continues to be because retail is so dominant um, in franchising, particularly shopping centres and so on. So do have a pen and paper ready. And even if you're not in shopping centres, this is relevant to you and the leases you're negotiating for whatever premises you may be thinking about, retail strip or an office or whatever. There's information here which will be worth possibly a lot of money to you because the ability to negotiate your lease at the end of the day is something that has implications for years to go. So... Just a reminder for members of uh, our programs at Franchise Simply that this radio show will be available shortly in our vault. Today, I'm delighted to have with me um, someone, if you've listened to our podcast previously, you will have heard Peter Buckingham, Managing Director of Spectrum Analysis. Now, if you haven't listened to any of other Peter's interviews, do dig them out because uh, everyone is a treasure. Peter's the co-founder of Spectrum Analysis back 20 odd years ago. Prior to that, he was 20 years in the oil industry, had a whole host of roles and varying levels of management, but he specialised in strategic planning, network development. With his time with Caltex, he was area manager of Western Australia, country sales. He was sales manager in three states, property manager. His international experience as well, helping Caltex internationally to do sales predictions and so on, was extensive and well-recognised. And managing spectrum analysis, he still enjoys being an active participant in lots of projects across every industry you can imagine, handling all sorts of specific site evaluations and so on, both in Australia and overseas. In fact, increasingly so overseas. So they've got tools to help vector analysis doing all sorts of things. And a number of you would be well aware of the site selection tools, territory planning, mapping, data of all sorts, working from the latest and previous census, local area marketing, and so on and so on. So Peter's got a passion for what he does, and he really does like to see people doing it better, and he's really invested heavily in franchising. So, Peter, welcome to you. Lovely to talk to you again. Thank you, Brian. Great to uh, be on your radio show. What I'd like to do is just pose you some questions, because I did read the article you sent through, and we included it in our recent newsletter, and it certainly stirred up a bit of interest amongst a few people. So the white paper you wrote was actually called shopping centres, the inconvenient truth. And it's something I'd like you to perhaps explain a little bit about the source of the data that this was based on, because you quoted some quite, I'd say, maybe controversial sorts of figures and so on. What was the motivation for you to write it as well? Okay. Well, I guess I often get a bit frustrated when I hear of some leasing agents telling people how great their shopping centre is. And we all know you can make numbers go in all different directions. Now, they're always experts at saying this is the sales of the specialties and this is the sales of the different categories. But the Property Council of Australia put together a data set that talks about total shopping centres in a very simplistic way. As we all know, when we have a lease, we have to report what the sales are back to the owners. The owners then put that together. And the classic one they call is the MAT, Moving Annual Turnover. And they report the MAT for every shopping centre into some data that the property council provide and we subscribe to. So moving annual turnover is the total of, whether it's supermarket sales, whether it's pharmacy sales, it's the whole category for that whole shopping centre. And why it's so important is we have data that goes back over time 
So we can look at data from 2012 where we have a very clear, call it stake in the ground of what they were then, and we now have it all at 2017. So the thing is you can do a longitudinal study to say what has changed. And I guess the very interesting thing is that when rents and things are going up at a certain rate, the MATs sure are not reflecting that. Right. So, so hence, your eyes popped up when you saw that, I guess. So when we go a bit further, as far as that's concerned, then you've mentioned you know, a bit of a generalisation. But what are the, what's the main data that we can get from you know, that, that property council shopping centre data? I presume it's available to anyone if you subscribe to it, is it? Well, it is, but it costs about $6,000 a year. So you're welcome <laughs> to subscribe if you wish to. <laughs> um, so that gets us an annual subscription. The first thing shopping centres are described at is their GLAR, which stands for Gross Leasable Area Retail. So that's like, how big is it? How many square metres? And shopping centres then break down into five main classifications. This is the typical language you hear in the, from the leasing agents. So the biggest shopping centres are called super regionals. And they have to be over 85,000 square metres and have at least a major brand like a Coles or a, sorry, a David Jones or a Meyer in. The next one is 50 to 85,000 square metres and they're called major regional. Then you have regionals, 30 to 50,000 square metres, sub-regionals that are 10 to 30,000 square metres and neighbourhood centres, which are less than 10,000 square metres. So the first thing is we can break up shopping centres into groups based on their GLAR. The second thing I mentioned in the property council is the MAT, moving annual turnover, which I've described already. The other thing they give is pedestrian numbers. Now these are supposedly taken from door counters, but I don't need to be the one to verify the accuracy of the data. But at the end of the day, we're able to look at each shopping centre in terms of the GLA, the MAT, the pedestrian numbers, and other things that get included is how many square metres the main tenants are, whether it's got picture theatres, how many screens, how many people are in the food courts, how many seats are in the food courts. A lot of handy data when you're trying to compare apples to apples. Right. So that's where you make your living. Your profession really is really understanding these. And thanks for the work you put into this, because I think you've raised some points which are obviously very clear to you, but which I think a lot of people have been happily ignorant of because of the way that these, this information is, is presented. So, I mean, you said it's a big investment. So obviously accessing someone like yourself is fantastic to get this information. But how often does this come out, by the way, the, the data? Well, okay, well, they try and update. They have a bit of a rotating data. So they try and update each state every two years. So it's sort of not exactly... To the latest day but it's pretty good and unfortunately when we last moved about four years ago we threw out a whole lot of the old books because it was previously in paperback paper version which I regret a bit now because I would have liked to have had some of the older books again mm. but we've got good electronic copy from 2012 we've got a good electronic copy of 2017 and we actually have some very specific ones due to a legal case we were an expert witness in back in 2006. So we're very able to look at shopping centres, well, in that case, at the Glen in Melbourne and Forest Hills Chase, that we actually can track for now over 11 years and see how they look. 
And we write very clearly about all these in that article you've referred to. And I guess the really interesting part is what sort of shopping centre changes there are and how that reflects against what the shopping centre leasing agents are asking you for your rental increases each year. Right, and this is where you get called in to basically give your view on things. So, so what, what's the trends in shopping centre growth? You've mentioned, alluded to it in some respects. So the trends in shopping centre growth versus rent growth. Can you pin that down a bit more? Okay, well, yeah. Well, the shopping centre owners, as a lot of your uh, listeners would know, uh, push for a rent, a first-year rent of, I'll say, around the 4%. And then inevitably over a five-year lease, they're putting it up towards 5 6%. So by the time you've done the five or six years, uh, five years in a shopping centre, your rent is probably 25 to 30% higher than it first was when you started. Now, the truth that's come out is that when we look at big groups of shopping centres, so with super regionals, we actually use 15 super regionals, because that was most of them in Australia that the Property Council had decent data reported on. We had 30 major regionals and 29 regional. So it's not just a one-off case. This mm. is using well over 50% of probably the available shopping centres. So the, the truth that comes out is over the five-year period, all of those groupings, super regional, major regional and regional, really only increased roughly 1.5% in their moving annual turnover over the five-year period. So while they're compounding that increase probably takes it to 7 or 8% increase of how many dollars are going through the centre, they're probably pushing hard to expect the tenants to be paying best part of 25 to 30% more than they were at the beginning of their lease period. Mm. So a very interesting position to have, and I'm sure when you take it up with them, they will have data to show what the specialty rent was compared to the supermarket rent and all of that because they are excellent at putting this together. But the truth of the matter is the total turnover of these shopping centres is roughly increasing annually about 1.5%. And that's from the data that they supply to the property council, which if you ask, well, is the data correct? I guess you go back to the source and this data is collected by the property council from their members, namely the owners of the shopping centres. And presumably they've disclosed honest, honestly and truthfully all the information that they have to hand. Uh, I'm sure they stand there with their hand on their heart when they tell them all this thing because it's in their interest to actually try and make their shopping centre look good because this data is held by a lot of very major uh, chains or franchise groups and other chains and it's sort of the data that you fall back on to evaluate if you get asked to go and look at a shopping centre you don't know, well, what's the best first port of call is to look at the shopping centre data. So if someone's asked to look at, say, a site in Casarina in Darwin and you've never been there, at least there's a good first start as you can say, well, let's at least see what it looks like in the property council data. I'm sure this story isn't a surprise to a lot of our listeners who are retail tenants, but I would suspect that a lot of them, when it comes to rent reviews and, and raising these issues of their turnover perhaps declining, let alone increasing by 1.5% if they're fortunate, they'd be intimidated because, as you say, these guys, the shopping centre owners, they put together a lot of really good and strong convincing information. They really give you the, I suppose you call it a, a fairly heavy sales job. And it's right. difficult for a sole, 
sole trader particularly, but even for a, a small to medium-sized franchise chain to be able to stand up to them as far as that's concerned. Well, that's right. And it's very true that if you think they don't know about all your other shops, you are absolutely wrong. Because if you walk into a Westfield or one of those groups and you've got a dozen shops with them all over Australia, they've got total access to the whole data of what your turnovers are in every one of your shops. Believe me, they know it all. They've got it very well computerised. So you've got to come clean, but you've got to be firm on your principles and your negotiating technique and approach and dig your heels in, I suppose. Uh, so what would you recommend? with somebody going into a new centre, I mean, what approach would you suggest that they take? We all probably recall Luke Bayless as recently from Sumo Salad took on a case where he literally went and put all the sites into one or two companies and then put the companies into administration to try and improve his negotiating position. I don't think he'll get too many Christmas cards from the uh, shopping centre owners for the next couple of years. But... Uh, Look, my view and personal view is that food courts are in trouble in many cases as it's very hard to pay the rents that they keep hitting you up with when all you really have is about a two-hour window a day to sell lunches. And I think that they are really starting to struggle. My observation has been partly at the detriment to the food courts is a lot of shopping centres are creating these big alfresco centres. An alfresco mm. centre, as we call it, is normally anchored by Ideally, a big group of cinemas might be 20 or 10 or 15 screens operating. And you'll see the typical tenants around them are the, the ones that want you to sit down, not just pick up and run away. They want you to sit down. Hopefully, you might have a beer and you're going to sit there for half an hour to an hour to eat and then you'll go to the movies. So the typical ones that are coming there big time are ones like Nando's, GYG, Grilled, and new ones like Burger Project, Fratelli's Fresh, they're all starting to really anchor in on these, I'll call them alfresco centres. And the thing is, when a lot of these big shopping centres have both an alfresco centre and a food court, there's only X amount of dollars to go into the stomach or food to be eaten. And you start seeing, in my view, a lot of people are literally, even at lunchtimes, working more through the alfresco centre, probably at the detriment of the food court. So I'm of the view that maybe Luke uh, and Sumo Salad, when they really tried to stick it up the uh, shopping centre's owners, were really all about trying to get out of these food courts where they're just locked into long-term leases. You only have to look at ones like Ozone at Knox, Charleston Square, and basically any major shopping centre that's had a renovation in the last few years has inevitably tried to really build a alfresco centre around the theatres and attract all these typical quick dine sort of tenants to come into it. So that's my view is where it's heading. And I'm watching some that in some cases are both in the food court and in the alfresco centre. I saw one recently being rolled. It's called a Vietnamese concept at Knox City. And they're in both at the moment. And I guess time will tell where they end up, whether they... My suspicion is they'll probably walk off the food court sooner or later when their next lease comes up and just be heading more to be running these casual dining inside the alfresco centre. So that's the direction I'm seeing things, but that's just my opinion at the moment. Mm. It's a challenge. I mean, if those two sites that you mentioned, for example, one inside, one outside, if they're different franchisees, that makes it a challenge, doesn't it? There's lots of other issues beyond just merely the tenancy that come to bear as far as all is concerned. 
And particularly at the moment, I mean, there are big question marks about shopping centres moving forward, but perhaps we'll touch on that later because let, let's get back into the, the food court story. What do you see? Have you got any ideas time-wise? I mean, what do you, what do you predict, Peter? You, you've been well, in this for a long well, time. Well, uh, that's a good question because, you know, it used to be every food court, number one tenant they always wanted was McDonald's. So mm. they'd ideally try and get McDonald's in there, followed by KFC and Subway. They were sort of the core ones of a food court. But, and I guess while, while these clients still see themselves and have a food offer that is quick and they can get it out quickly, they're probably not, well, it'll be an interesting day when we start seeing the KFCs and the McDonald's possibly leaving the food court and going more to the alfresco centres. But I haven't noticed that at this point in time. So I just think what we're seeing is a lot of these middle ones moving out and many of these smaller sort of Asian and Indian and individual concepts come in and try to make a, a quid out of it. And the question's going to go is often they're not all that experienced. They commit to excessive rents and obviously hear these lovely stories about how good things are at this shopping centre. And I think we're going to see progressively some of the big boys moving out of food courts. The spaces will get occupied and the, the variety might go up, but the, the standard big draw cards will probably start moving out. And once that starts to happen, a lot of the other shops will get absolutely crucified by the rents they're paying and we'll just watch what happens over the next five or ten years. Yeah, I don't know if you agree, but my, my perception of that is as we go to smaller operators, we're going to almost be going back to the mum and dads in shopping centres, which is what it was 30 years ago, and you're going to see those... I suppose, lesser quality of fit-out, lesser quality of product, less innovation. So they're going to become a little bit on the ordinary side. What's your sure view on that? Look, I agree with you. I, I think they will become a bit on the ordinary side. And I guess the sad part about it is you hear of cases where a major client, a very strong client, might walk away, literally being pushed so hard for the rent, he walks away. Next thing you hear that somebody, ma and pa, Stores gone in, paid more rent than what they were paying, and last six months, the next thing, in fact, I know of one recently, and they are invited to go back to their old store at a reduced rent to what they were paying when they were kicked out. Happens to be a very key store walking into one of the major super regional shopping centres, and you know they wouldn't pay the rent. They just said ridiculous. Someone else did for a short period of time, and guess what? They're back being offered their old site back. And, of course, the fit-out got completely destroyed as it got changed over. So the shopping centres really have a lot to answer for, in my view, in that sort of situation. There's a word coming in here from my vocabulary that I'm always reluctant to use, but it comes to mind, and that's churning. Now, look, I, I think one of the issues you have is you get these younger shopping centre executives. There's no doubt there are targets that they have to meet. They will do what they can to meet their job KPIs, if that's getting X amount of rent or getting X amount of tenants or reducing the vacancy to whatever, they will do their best to do it. And, uh, and they'll probably move on in a couple of years and they go to different parts. One friend of mine was a shopping centre leasing executive for a year or so and he couldn't hack it anymore. He said he got so sick of you know explaining to people that their house was now being called up and things were pretty disastrous. So I think the experience that's there, they will sometimes, you know, paint a story that might not be 100% accurate or expectations that aren't right. And at the end of the day, the stores don't survive. And I'm really, we're both just really talking about the food side of things right now. But uh, 
when you look at the clothing and a lot of other businesses that are inside shopping centres, the truth is the MATs aren't moving much and uh, yet the rents are supposed to go up on a continual basis. And that might have worked okay with shopping in shopping centres for clothes stores and things like that for a period of time. But the days of them buying, they still obviously buy a lot from China, but they're sales volumes are getting shoved down badly by the huge international ones that are coming in. The revenues are going down and just that gap of margin seems to be uh, deteriorating and sales really can't go up much. There's only X number of people and X number of dollars being sold in the shopping centre. And I think if we look at the United States, we're seeing situations now where whole shopping centres are in many cases closing. They're probably 10 years ahead of us and some of their mediocre performers are now getting literally closed right down and sold off for land value to do something else with. I haven't noticed that happen here in Australia yet, but there must be a few, let's say, middle-sized sort of shopping centres that must be struggling. You know, they might be in the near a Chadston or near a Bondi Junction or something that's a super attractor, and they're just probably going down progressively. And I guess we'll get to the day where we actually close a couple of medium-sized shopping centres saying, well, look, it's just no longer worth their while compared to the value of their land. Well, we've seen some red lights recently. It's interesting. When, when the Lowe's uh, announced very recently they were selling Westfield to a major uh, European shopping centre group, that created lifted some eyelids. I mean, they're smart operators. They've driven the market in Australia <laughs> and, and to a degree in the US and the UK as well with all their super centres. Yeah. They're moving on picking up their stumps and we're yeah. not playing anymore. So makes you wonder. That's also raised, I've seen quite a lot of press in the general business areas and so forth about the US and the fact that the term shopping centre has become non, sort of almost term, they're not just old fashioned, but something that they're avoiding. They're changing the names so that things like the usual shopping centres and malls are no longer used because those, the connotations for the consumer <laughs> are something that uh, they, they want to move on with. There's a stigma. Interesting to see what happens here. Well, I think there's, you know, a lot of people talk about not wanting to be so much in shopping centres and want to be more on high street strips. We also have measurement data around shopping strips, how you can compare one to the other. And uh, we know a lot of our clients, they just, they're gun shy of basically wanting to go into shopping centres and they're always looking for a strip where they can get a longer term lease, probably at a more reasonable rental increase and probably with uh, a longer term than the standard five years that you get on a shopping centre and all the pressure you get every time to do a refit. I think there is a bit more at the moment, and I've been in this 20 years, I'm feeling there's even a stronger drive right now to for people looking for uh, strong shopping strips rather than shopping centres. Yeah, it'd be interesting. But of course, so many shopping strips disappeared or got so run down as the evolution of major shopping centres took place in the last 20 years as well. So it's, uh, it's not that easy to find good sites with good pedestrian flow, is it? Yeah, well, that's often the case where if there is a big shopping centre shopping center nearby, it does hurt the strip. But when you get into the centres of or the inner suburbs of Sydney and Melbourne, where mm. the big shopping centres really haven't happened uh, just because of the cost of land, um, then the strips are often you know, still quite powerful. Right. So is it a matter of saying if I'm looking at putting a store, a food store, for example, um, I may be better to look at a site which doesn't have the ego, doesn't have the, you know, the razzmatazz of a big shopping centre, smaller turnover, but I may end up really with a better bottom line because my overheads are yeah. more contained, rents are reasonable. Yeah, well, 
look, in Sydney, you'd be thinking the, the likes of the crow's nests and the neutral bays and things, even though they're pretty, they're still going to be expensive, but there just is not the big shopping centres nearby. And Melbourne, you know, probably has a bit similar with the Hawthorns, the Camberwells, the inner, inner East, because they might have some supermarkets, but they don't have the really big shopping centres that compete directly with them. So people, therefore, are much more used to going to a shopping strip than a uh, shopping centre. So, yeah, that's a bit of our view, but uh, mm. it's up to the, <laughs> the customers paying the money. Uh, uh, Peter, it's been great talking to you. Do you have any comments you'd like to make that rattling around there in that uh, very capacious uh, head of yours with lots of ideas and so on? <laughs> uh, look, we're just watching this happen and uh, it was the first time we'd actually grabbed the data over a period of time to do that paper, which, as I said, uh, is on in your system on your website. That's good if people would like to have a look at it. The other thing we're trying to do now is make available on the web in conjunction with uh, Franchise Buyer a availability to buy a data pack, we call it, which is demographics, how many people, or all about the people that live in an area, the people who work in the area, the map of the area, and have one of those available online for like every shopping centre at three, five and 10 kilometre radius and every shopping strip. So it gives you, if you're going to invest probably near a million dollars to go into a shopping centre over a five-year rental, etc., you might want to look at a, a few different options and these data packs are now able to be purchased online. We will have them on our website on spectrumanalysis.com.au, a link to get to where they're actually available. And we strongly recommend if people are going to be opening a new investment on a shopping centre or a shopping strip, that here's one way that you can uh, compare apples to apples. might sound like a bit to be spending a few hundred bucks on uh, these data packs, but that's nothing compared to the million dollars you're probably going to invest long-term on your shop. So, yeah, we're trying to get the data packs available and make them more available to people to use. I think that's a brilliant innovation and uh, I've always respected you enormously for the amount of free information you share, uh, Peter, and must uh, uh, say visitors to your website can access a lot, of, a lot of information. I think those packs, it's a very small investment, as you say, so I'd certainly, uh, certainly suggest it's worth anyone having a look at those. So uh, th- thanks for that. I think that's a great innovation. I'm sure you can make them available on yours, <laughs> your website yeah. as well. well we're, we're We'd so- appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's certainly a valuable asset for our members and that's what we're, that's what we're here for, no, is to introduce okay. them to the experts and the sources. So, look, we're indebted to you for giving us all this time again. It's not the first time that I've managed to secure your uh, access to you and, and the knowledge you've got, which is really, really appreciated. So I'd like to, I'm sure everyone will join me in saying uh, it's been a privilege having the opportunity to get to know you better and expand our knowledge about shopping centres and strips and the demographics and particularly those data packs. So... If you'd like to learn more, spectrumanalysis.com.au um, or you can contact me at Franchise Simply and they will certainly put you in touch, introduce you to Peter and, and his team and so forth. So in saying that, thank you very much indeed. Look forward to speaking to you all again with our next Franchise Radio Show. And Peter, I'm sure we'll speak to you again in the future as well. Okay, thank you, Brian. Great to speak to you. And thank you to your members. Bye. <laughs>